Good morning, you are listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby live from London with the Friarside on this uh, Tuesday the 24th of October. And uh, we're going to continue um, today with our, our reading of uh, Frank Sheed's wonderful book, uh, A Map of Life. Um, but uh, before that, hopefully you're um, already aware, I had some of our jingles received uh, an email from us, but um, if you're not uh, not aware, um, you will be very shortly. It is our marathon um, coming up the next three days, beginning tomorrow um, and continuing through Thursday and Friday. And this is a, a really, there's no other way to put it, it's a really intensive time of, of fundraising for us. Um, we we desperately need your your generosity, God's providence, acting through you and your and your generosity to uh, help make what we do um, viable for the the next few months and the and hopefully many more many more years to come. After that, I think that that Radio Maria is doing something sort of precious um, and and unique um, in the church um, in England. Um, in, in the present in the present moment, I don't think there's anything quite like us bringing such a, a wide variety of uh, Catholic speakers to together, such a um, such a, a rich, truly sort of Catholic uh, representation um, of all that is uh, good and faithful in the in the church. And and if you if you if you value that, um, then I just ask you to be as generous as as you can in our fundraising in the next three days um we're aiming for a total of, of thirty thousand uh, pounds but that's really the the very minimum that we that we that we need and it would be lovely to to significantly beat that target now obviously the the way that you can help us is first and foremost pray 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 then be as generous um as you as you can and perhaps pray about how much um you can you can give uh not just sort of you know like what's what's easy to give um but actually you know something uh something that might actually sort of require a, a pinch somewhere else in your life a couple of friends of mine cancelled subscriptions recently to uh sort of netflix and to and to spotify respectively to to be able to contribute towards radio maria what what might you sacrifice for the the sake of the the proclamation of the of the gospel and the other way that you can help us um and that we need your help with sort of all the time is just telling other people about this radio um the more listeners we have the the less it the less it costs per person to to keep this radio on on air um so you know please do pray and uh and, and be generous all right we're going to uh get back to the the reading of frank sheed's uh, map for for life now um, and uh, I want to 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 share with you first um, the first reading from from today's mass, which I just think is is perfect um, for the subject matter that we've been dealing with, um, which is sort of creation and fall. And in this uh, reading from uh, from Saint Paul this morning, um, he touches on what we were speaking about yesterday: how sin entered uh, the world through one man, and how uh, redemption. Um, comes to the, the world through through one man. So let's listen to Romans chapter 5. Sin entered the world through one man and through sin death, and thus death has spread through the whole human race because everyone has sinned. 
but the gift itself considerably outweighed the fall. If it is certain that through one man's fall so many died, it is even more certain that divine grace, coming through the one man Jesus Christ, came to so many as an abundant free gift. If it is certain that death reigned over everyone as the consequence of one man's fall, it is even more certain that one man Jesus Christ will cause everyone to reign in life who receives the free gift that he does not deserve of being made righteous. Again, as one man's fall brought condemnation on everyone, so the good act of one man brings everyone's life and makes them justified. As by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. When law came, it was to multiply the opportunities of failing, but however great the number of sins committed, grace was even greater. And so just as sin reigned, wherever there was death, so grace will reign to bring eternal life, thanks to the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that from St. Paul there is just a sort of a reminder in a, in a, in a certain way that um, you know, just as we might sometimes think, oh, well, it's unfair that I suffer from the, the fallout of, uh, of Adam's uh, poor choice. Um, we might also think that in, in no way did we, did we merit the even greater gift of uh, life in Christ, which is God's way of uh, redeeming, redeeming the, the world and healing the, the wound of Adam's uh, sin. Uh, so let's now, um, having, let's resume from, uh, from Sheed. Thus then stood Adam, the individual man, after that first sin, the supernatural life lost, the natural life impaired because given a wrong direction, but still knowing the purpose of his being and the laws set by God for the governance of his life. But Adam also was, by God's dispensation, the representative man. The effect of this original catastrophe upon the whole human race is measureless. In him the race lost the supernatural life so that men thereafter, with one glorious exception, entered this world with the natural life of soul and body, but without the supernatural life, which but for Adam's fall they would have had. This is what we call original sin. That's where we left off yesterday, that idea that original sin is not something added, um, but, is a, but is a lack. And it's, and it's why, therefore, that sort of some people, when they speak about original sin as being something that's sort of like trans, transmitted in the, in the human sexual act and as if, therefore, you know, sex itself um, has been made sort of sinful or the, um, or, or the way by which sin is transmitted, that that's, that that's, that that's wrong, um, that uh, sex in its, in its proper context is something beautiful and good. Um, but rather um, simply graces that were that were a gift um, and which were sort of on top of our on top of our our nature but but perfectly sort of concordant with it those graces have been have been lost original sin is a lack so she continues through the spoiling of God's plan one of the three elementary things was lost and lost instantly the other two were not lost so quickly. 
Adam, we may assume, passed on his knowledge of God's purpose and God's laws to his children, and they to their children. But, as the slow centuries passed, and men became further removed in time and space from the first revelation, that happened to it, which must always happen to a tradition of men unguarded by God. Error crept into it. Passion distorted it. Violently, and self-interest less violently, but no less certainly, mere forgetfulness was deadlier than all. The nature of man still bore witness to God's purpose and God's law, but a witness that grew ever fainter, the fragments remained of the first revelation. But ever more broken and shapeless, the little company of the chosen people clung to fundamental truths, the oneness of God, for instance, and the certainty of a saviour to come. But only under pressure of endless reminders from God, and with heaven knows how much weariness and backsliding. And just a comment there that this sort of forgetfulness, um, a forgetfulness of, of, of God um, and a forgetfulness of what God has, has done for us. It's, it's one of the, the primary sins of, 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 of Israel. Um, and, 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 and we too, I think, commit the, the same sin again and again, a, a forgetfulness of, of God. And um, it's one of the reasons why ritual is so important, because ritual is a is a is a sort of a, a communal um, remembrance. Um, it's why the, the 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 celebration of the of the Passover um, is so important in 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 Jewish identity, because it it forms the the memory. Um, it goes against the forgetfulness of God and what He has done, and why it's why it matters that we. We go to mass every every week, if not more often, and hear those words of Christ at the consecration, do this in memory of me. And the Christian memory is, is not simply a remembrance of the of the past, but a but a remembrance which which makes real in the in the present. Um, the mass is the remembrance which brings the effects of Christ's passion, makes them present in the here and now, and by that the graces flow into us. So let's go back to Sheed. So he says um, that, you know, we were, that the, the chosen people, the Jews, re required sort of, you know, constant reminders from, from God of his presence and of how they were to, to, to live um, and that things seem to be going well, and then there's this constant sort of weariness and backsliding. And then he says, there comes a time when the whole of the threefold gift that God had offered them seemed to have perished from the earth. The life man had lost in one great catastrophe, the supernatural life. The truth man had frittered away. Men were born into the world without the supernatural life, with a nature hopelessly at war within itself. They could still from the universe about them reason to the existence of God, but even in this their reasoning was accompanied by a horde of errors, and they could have no certain knowledge of God's purpose or God's law. Chaos was upon them. Their foot was upon a road whose end they did not know, a road which could only be travelled with aids which they did not possess and could not for themselves obtain. And be it repeated, 
heaven was closed to man. This is something different from having lost the supernatural life. For an individual by God's grace might regain the supernatural life. And yet because he was a member of a fallen race, he could not enter heaven. Man is not simply an individual. He is a member of a community. And while the only great human community in existence was fallen humanity, to which as a race heaven was closed, the individual, however holy, was debarred from heaven. Not till the right relationship between God and the human race was re-established could the individual member of the race enter heaven. There was no question, of course, of a holy man being eternally debarred from heaven, but till heaven was reopened, he must be in the place of waiting. And that's why we speak um, when we, uh, when we uh, proclaim the, the Apostles' uh, Creed about Christ um, descending into, into Sheol or descending into hell or descending to the, to the, to the dead. That even just men, um, even men and women in, in whom God's graces had been operative and had sought to, to do the, the, the will of God um, as, as far as they were able, that even these just dead could not yet go to heaven um, because the chasm between God and humankind um, had not yet been um, breached by, by Jesus Christ, who is the who is the bridge between God and man who makes it possible for us to enter into divine life in heaven. And so as she says, at last God did for man what man could not do for himself. He made the threefold restoration and so built a new road for the human race. But consider what man had by his own act become, and it will be small wonder if the new road lacks some of the simplicity of the old. The first road had been planned for man as he came, all perfect from the hand of God. The second had to be planned for man as he was, with the wounds and stains that were upon him after countless ages of bearing the assaults of the world, the temptations of the devil, the warfare within himself. For the first road God had been made, for the building of the second road God became man. Let's now uh, listen to some music. We've reached the, the end of that, that chapter. Um, I think appropriately as we're going to uh, be discussing the incarnation in the next chapter, let's listen to Mary the Dawn by the Cathedral Singers. Oh, 
listening to Radio Maria, and that was Mary the Dawn, sung by the Cathedral Singers. Absolutely beautiful and a fitting introduction to our next section of uh, Sheed's great book, A Map of Life, The Incarnation. Um, so what he's done in the, in the first few chapters is um, discussed our, our need for, for uh, a map, our need, to, our need to know where we're going, um, and also uh, know the the way to where we're we're going, and he discussed um, how we were we were made with a original justice and this supernatural life in us, um, with a harmonious uh, relationship of the the passions and our reason, and that this was lost in the in the fall, and that we no longer are able to 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 reason well or to to simply choose choose well um that we no longer know the know the way um and truly where we're we're headed um and also that the possibility of of heaven has been been closed off to us because sin has created a gap between god and man that no man can bridge um for himself and so in this way she has sort of laid the the, the necessity of the of the incarnation um but it's much easier for us to to see how the the incarnation satisfies that it having happened um we have to remember that that how how god would save us how the um the the seed um of mary who would crush the head of the serpent that was first told of um in genesis chapter 3 even just after that horrendous sin is first committed um, how that would actually materialize was a, a way that was far more beautiful, um, far more poignant than anyone could have imagined. Um, so let's move to chapter 5 and the Incarnation. The human race then had broken its right relation of friendship with God. Men had lost the way because they had lost the life without which the way cannot be followed and the truth without the which the way cannot even be known. To such a world, Christ, who had come to make all things new, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those three words, way, truth, life, Christ related himself quite precisely to what man had lost, as precisely as a key fits a lock. In the precision of that threefold relation, we are apt to overlook the strangest word in the phrase. What do you think that's going to be? She says it's the word am. He thinks that we don't pay significant attention to the word am, and uh, I'm minded to agree with him. He says men needed truth and life. What they might have expected was one who would say, I have the truth and the life. What they found was one who said, I am the truth and the life. Think of all those adverts you see on YouTube or on the TV where, where people promise you that they will reveal to you the, the, the secret knowledge that will help you get a six-pack in two days that will make you a fantastic public speaker in seven days that will help you be able to play the piano to concert piano standard in just two weeks and with just four chords um, all these people promising knowledge 
But Jesus promises something much, much more than knowledge. He offers something much, much more than knowledge. He promises and he offers himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And she says this strange word forces us to a new mode of approach. If a man claims to have what we want, we must study what he has. If a man claims to be what we want, we must study who he is. With any other teacher, the truth he has is our primary concern. The teacher of himself is of no importance save as the bearer of the truth. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter um, whether your, you know, maths teacher uh, you know, likes to sort of, you know, torture little puppies outside of the maths class if he's, you know, teach, teaching, if the maths that he teaches you is is good. And I'm not saying that people's moral behavior and their ability to, to teach truth um, are completely irrelevant to one another. They're, they're not. But with with most um, things that we're that we're told in life, what matters to us is not so much the one who is telling us. That only goes to whether they're trustworthy. What matters is the is the truth and the and the usefulness of what they tell us. But she says, with Christ, it's different. With Christ, the teacher is primary. He cannot simply give us the truth and the life and then have done with us. He can only give us himself for he is both he is the truth and the life and he says this point has to be insisted upon not as a figure of speech but as a strict fact and this is what sort of liberal protestantism particularly in in 19th century sort of germany um misses this crucial idea about the christian life as being a participation in the life of christ and so christ gets instead um, reduced to simply um, a teacher of good morals. And then what happens is Christ ceases to be divine and, and the Christian life becomes an, an invitation to participate in his divine life. Then Christ's morals as a teacher start to become sort of culturally and temporarily um, relativized i.e. sort of in, in the sort of German Protestantism of the 19th century, which has now spread all around the, all around the world, um, what, starts to, what starts to be said is, well, Christ is a great teacher, um, but because he is um, just a man, then, uh, then his teachings are time-bound. And so we can, we can see that they were good at that time, but we have to start asking ourselves, well, what would be good for our time? And so as, as Christ um, ceases to, to be God in such a mindset, um, we replace God with our own uh, time-bound and culturally-bound uh, opinions. But she says Christ the teacher is primary. The point has to be insisted upon not as a figure of speech, but as a strict fact. It is a map we are making, not a poem. And what is now being said, mysterious as it is, is strictly and literally true. Our study of the road of life has brought us to an examination of truth and life. We cannot understand the road if we do not understand them. But if Christ is the truth, then we must understand him. If he is the life, then he must live in us. Obviously then, our map-making cannot progress 
until we are clear about who and what Christ is. Because the road we are to travel depends even more on what he is than on what he did. Um, now we're about to uh, discuss the, the two natures of Christ, um, but uh, I think a little bit of music just to allow us to reflect on what we've heard and freshen up our minds would be good before that. So let's listen um, next to Our Help is from the Lord. Oh, Lord, the maker. 
You are listening to Radio Maria, and this is Father Toby with the Friar side. And we're uh, reading through Frank Sheep's book, A Map of Life. And we've just spoken about the necessity of the incarnation, about the unique claim of Jesus Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look at sort of other great religious leaders, and Christ is a religious leader, but if you look at other great religious leaders, they promise to have uh, teachings that uh, that give life, teachings that show us um, the right way, not to actually be the way, the truth, and the life. That's the unique claim of Christ. Um, but now we're about to get to uh, one of the the sort of I think the heart the harder parts about who Christ is for us to understand. And when I say that, I mean not for us to simply just say and accept, but for us to start to to enter into some sort of consideration of, of what does that mean um, and what would it be like to to be these two things because we're going to speak about the two natures of christ and uh, and here she gives us some really helpful reflections on the the difference between um uh, nature and uh and, and person um and you might think about how some of these are, are relevant to actually our discussions about abortion where so often people try and deny the, the the personhood of the the child in the in the womb um modern science has has made it impossible for them to sort of deny the the the, the sort of the hum, the humanity but they try and say well it's not yet a person so the two natures of christ and here i'm going to i'm going to try and go straight through to the end of uh, these few paragraphs without me butting in we'll see whether i can help myself Christ is God made man. That is, he is truly God and he is truly man. He is God with the nature of God. He took to himself and made his own a complete human nature, a real human body and a real human soul. He is then one person, God, with two natures, divine nature and a human nature. And nor is all this mere abstract matter of no concern to us. Everything in our life is bound up with the one person and the two natures of Christ. We must grasp this central luminous fact or otherwise remain in darkness. Now the distinction, she says, between a person and nature is not some deep and hidden thing to which philosophy only comes after centuries of study. It is, he says, on the contrary, a distinction so obvious that the smallest child who can talk at all makes it automatically. That makes us worry that we might not understand what he's about to say, but here goes. If a child in the half-light sees a vague outline that might be anything, she asks, what is that? If, on the other hand, she can see that it is a human being, but cannot distinguish or does not recognize the features, she asks, who is that? The distinction between what and who is the distinction between nature and person. Of every man, the two questions, what is he and who is he, can be answered. Every man, in other words, is both a nature and a person. Into my every action, nature and person enter. For instance, I speak, I the person speak, but I am only able to speak because I am a man, because it is of my nature to speak. 
and I discover there are all sorts of things I can do and all sorts of things I cannot do, like fly. My nature decides. I can think, speak, walk. These actions go with the nature of man, which I have, but I cannot fly, for this goes with the nature of a bird, which I do not have. My nature then decides what I can do. It may be thought of as settling the sphere of action possible to me. According to my nature, I can act. Apart from it, I cannot. But it's not my nature that does these things. It's I, the person, who do them. It is not my nature that speaks, walks, thinks. It is I, Toby, who eats, speaks, walks, thinks. A man may then be thought of as a person who acts and a nature which decides the field in which he acts. In man there is simply one nature to one person. In Christ, however, there are two natures in one person, and our minds, used to the one nature to one person state of man, tend to cry out that there is a contradiction in the idea of two natures one person. But once it's been grasped that person and nature are not identical in meaning, once it has been grasped that the person acts and the nature is that principle in him which decides his sphere of action, then we see that, mysterious as our Lord's person and nature may be, there is no contradiction. God the Son, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, assumed, that is, took to himself a human nature, made it his own, not simply as something which he could use as a convenient sphere to act in, but really as his own, just as our nature is our own. In us, the relation of person and nature is such that we do not merely say, I have a human nature, as we might say, I have an umbrella. But person and nature are so fused in one concrete reality that we say, I am a man. So God the Son can say not only, I am God with a human nature to act in, but in the most absolute fullness of meaning, he can say, I am man. He does not simply act as man, he is man, as truly man as we. This one person has two spheres of action though. Christ our Lord could act either in his nature as God or in his nature as man. Remember the principle he just stated a few paragraphs back, that it's not the nature that acts but the person. Therefore, whether he was acting in his divine nature or in his human nature, it was always the person who acted, and there was only the one person, God. This then is the position. Christ is God. Therefore, whatever Christ did, God did. When Christ acted in his divine nature, as when he raised the dead to life, it was God who did it. When Christ acted in his human nature, as when he was born, suffered and died, it was still God who did it. God was born, God suffered, God died. For it is the person who acts, and Christ is God. And that is a really, really, really important um, part of, uh, of Christian theology. Um, if you have any questions about that, um, don't hesitate to, to get in touch. But it is understandable to, to find it conceptually 
difficult um but we can enter into that reality and i think that helps us um sometimes uh sort of uh understand some of the gospel stories when we think well is christ principally acting here through his um divine nature or through his human human nature um i think we come to a a, a greater um appreciation of the of the gospels when we bear that distinction in mind um very shortly we're about to go to the the mass at walsingham where we celebrate the fact that christ the the divine the, the second person of the trinity um christ in his divinity enters into our humanity gives us the gift of his very self so that we might participate in his divinity um just going to leave you with uh one more uh appeal to uh to be generous to us in our marathon in your